Welcome listeners to the first ever episode of Inside Melbourne's Property Market, brought to you by Jealous Craig. I'm your host, Nick Carra, and I'm thrilled to be joining you today from the beautiful Jealous Craig head office, looking over Melbourne's bustling city skyline. Before we dive into today's conversation, let me tell you a bit about myself and my role within Jealous Craig. As the Group General Manager in our corporate head office, my focus is on supporting the growth and development of our dynamic, boutique and client-focused residential real estate business. Jealous Craig is a highly collaborative and open network, and a significant part of my role involves unlocking areas of best practice, driving business improvement across our footprint of offices. That's why we wanted to create this podcast, to bring you insider insights into Melbourne's property market and share our knowledge and expertise with you. Each episode of Inside Melbourne's Property Market will provide you with valuable information and engaging conversations. We'll discuss the challenges and opportunities in the market, share expert opinions on property trends, and explore the latest developments in the real estate industry. Our aim is to keep you informed whether you're a renter, homeowner, investor, or simply interested in the Melbourne property market. In today's episode, we'll be deep diving into what's really happening in Melbourne's property market. And to shed light on this topic, I'm thrilled to introduce our guest, Nick Dowling. Nick Dowling has been the CEO of Jealous Craig since 2011, and his leadership has driven significant growth within our group. In addition to his role as CEO, he holds a concurrent position as a non-executive independent director at the REA Group. So without further ado, let's kick off our conversation and delve into what's really happening in Melbourne's property market. Welcome, Nick Dowling. Thanks, Nick. Great to be here. So, Nick, I'd like to start with some reflections looking back over the last 12 months. And if we cast our mind back 12 months ago, we were just emerging from that really intense COVID period in Melbourne that we witnessed during 2021 and 22. We saw the start of what's turned out to be some global inflationary pressures and the interest rate cycle that we've witnessed in the last 12 months was just starting that sort of upward trend. And off the back of that, you were predicting this time last year that Melbourne's property prices would trend downwards and we'd see a quieter term, uh, quite a year in terms of volume. So how have you seen the last 12 months in the Melbourne property market looking through the rear vision mirror? Yeah, looking through the rear, rear vision mirror, Nick, I, I can see that um, you know 12 to 15 months ago, things were changing quite significantly. Um, we were coming off the back of two very strong years that were the pandemic years. Um, they're very lumpy and unpredictable at times, but in the end, they're very strong years for both prices and, and volumes. Um, as you say, the economic landscape changed quite significantly around that point. Um, the, the global inflation, not just in Australia and Melbourne, of course, proved to be a lot stickier than first expected. So the increase in interest rates 12 months ago had already commenced, but we probably didn't foresee there being, you know, at least 12 of them that we've seen so far. So that had a fairly, imme- fairly immediate impact on consumer sentiment. Um, throw on top of that the cost of living pressures that everyone's feeling, um, the volume started to, to drop off. But the wash-up over the 12 months was that volumes, you know, for businesses like ours, which is a quite a good barometer, are off about 20% year on year, which is significant. Um, but prices are only off about 5 or 10% depending on which market. And prices have been proven to be really quite resilient, extraordinarily resilient. In fact, when you think that prices went up 20% plus during those mm. pandemic years. Um, in more recent months, things have, have turned more positively. We've seen with um, you know, auction clearance rates and 
the biodemand and, and immigration and just, you know, a general belief that rates are possibly nearing the top and prices have stabilised in some cases increasing. We've seen the demand um, come back quite strongly but just not the quite the supply side just yet. I'd like to talk about interest rates uh, a little bit further. We've seen some incredible uplift over the last 12 months. I think you mentioned 12 interest rate rises. So we've seen the cash rate increase from 0.1% up to 4.1% at, at the last uh, rate change in May this year. Uh, and the global, sorry, the local inflation uh, level has been up at around 7% the last time the consumer price index was recorded back in, in March. Can you give us a, an insight on what, what's been the impact on the local property market from the rate rises to date and the outlook for interest rates and inflations as we head towards the back end of 2023? Yeah, sure, Nick. Look, there's some, some emotional aspects to this and there's some mathematical aspects to this. The mathematical is that when interest rates go up from 0.1% or the RBA target cash rate, that is, to over 4%, People can, you know, afford less and they tighten up and that affects their, their confidence, their borrowing power. Um, even people that are prepared to transact can't borrow as much. I think generally speaking, the borrowing capacity of, of, of Australians has dropped by over 30%. Um, but it's that combination of the, the general cost of living pressures plus the interest rate increases that have really, um, taken, you know, the wind out of the demand that we had. Prior to that, so that's led to um, less vendors, less sellers will, willing to come to the market, uh, and just less um, urgency around um, people preparing to, you know, being prepared to make differences or changes in their life, whether it be upgrade, downgrade, um, whatever it might be. Certainly compared to the pandemic period, where it was quite, um, you know, positively chaotic at terms, and you could argue there was some um, inevitability about the fact that the market needed a bit of a breather. Um, so that led to a slight decline in prices, as I've talked about, but, again, that's off the back of prices going up a lot during the, the, the pandemic years. But um, the banks continue to lend money. We're not seeing a lot of distressed sales. Um, there are some people reassessing their personal balance sheets and, and offloading, say, an investment property or some other properties. Um, but generally speaking, employment is still really strong. And distress sales really correlate with an increase in, in unemployment. We haven't seen that at this um, at this stage just yet. In terms of the outlooks, things are looking brighter. Uh, inflation looks to have peaked and is now coming down, and that's you know a trend that we've seen you know positive signs for a couple of months now on a global level and in Australia. Um, even construction costs, which have been you know incredibly stubborn uh, in in their in their growth, are starting to to come off. So there's a general belief now filtering through the community, um, through through the country, really, that um, things are getting better. But I don't think we'll see a, a strong boom off the back of this, but but really quite a steady recovery as we head into spring and beyond. We touched uh, briefly on supply and demand, and indeed one of your main predictions last year was that we'd see a tightening of supply as market conditions changed as the interest rate rate cycle tightened. First of all, can you explain why this tends to happen and the significance of imbalances between supply and demand for residential property? Yeah, sure. I think if we look at the supply side first and think about the general reasons that people sell property, um, of which there are quite a few. I mean, people um, have confidence-based decisions around upgrading, um, moving to more affluent areas, 
um, buying a, a lifestyle property, whether that be coastal or or, or country. Um, there are other life factors, things that happen in life, whether it be death, divorce, um, other reasons that people transact property. So if we think about the effect that an increase in interest rates has on some of those, it's more those confidence-based decisions that dry up pretty quickly. And if we throw on top of, of the interest rate increases, which have been significant, the general cost of living has gone through the roof and, and, and most people are still struggling with that. So that's led to really the sales drying up more towards those that need to transact. There are, will always be reasons why people need to transact. So that's why the volumes have um, you know, remained at about 80% of the level that they were. Um, so the reason that supply dries up is because those that don't need to sell generally will sit on their hands until things improve. People don't want to sell when there's a general understanding that prices are declining, albeit they didn't end up declining a huge amount. Um, they'd rather wait. It's the opposite of of the FOMO effect that we talk about when the when the market is increasing, and buyers are crawling over the top of each other to to outbid each other just so they can get into the market before it gets away from them again. It's it's the opposite of that. Um, perhaps in a more sort of moderate um, way. So the demand and the supply are very interlinked that when, um, you know, interest rates are going up, borrowing costs are going up, people are worried about prices declining further, the demand is not there. Um, people aren't inclined to buy. And, and, and that all equally applies to the investment side. People won't generally buy investment property or be as hungry to pay as much if they feel there's not a lot of price growth coming and the potential of further price reductions over the, the coming period. And that's interesting, Nick. Um, Melbourne's always been a very strong auction city and indeed in Jealous Craig's premier markets where we tend to operate, we've always had a strong auction culture. Um, so what, what have we been seeing on the ground by way of auction clearance rates and what's your expectations of listings and or stock levels, if you like, and price growth as we head towards the important spring selling season in Melbourne? Yeah, the sentiment's changed a lot in the last few months. Um, we've noticed a really noticeable shift in confidence, and that's mainly based off the belief that inflation is now being tamed. I wouldn't call it under control yet, but the significant increase in interest rates that we've had is starting to now finally have an effect. Prices have stabilised. In, in some markets, prices have increased in recent months. Um, I would caveat that by saying it's mainly due to a lack of volume that we're seeing in the market. But, um, you know, the marketplace is feeling a lot better. Um, the demand um, has come back strongly in the last few months, but the supply hasn't come back to the same level. Um, there's different markets within the market, though. The, the positive commentary I'm making is more for the established homes that don't need a lot of work, so those people that are aspirational or are getting their confidence back to make the life moves that they've you know, been thinking about over the last sort of year or two. Um, the cost of construction, the cost of just you know, improvements, um, access to builders, worries about some of the larger scale builders, access to the local tradies has been incredibly difficult. So there's still a reluctance for property that needs a lot of work or needs a complete renovation or perhaps the knockdown. So that isn't recovering quite as quickly. It's more... You know, a lot of the marketplace that we're in, which is the you know mid to inner city established great family homes, it's a slightly different story on the investment side of things. Uh, in fact, we're continuing to see 
a trend that we've seen for at least 12 months, which is some landlords actually looking to offload investment property. It's not a significant amount, but it's certainly a noticeable or a material amount, and that's mainly due to the cost of holding that property um, and that sort of negative gearing on that property increasing to a level where as people reassess their you know, their costs of living and their personal balance sheets, um, we're seeing some of that offloaded. And that's even when vacancy rates are at record lows and, and rents are increasing, still the net effect is um, a bit of an offloading of some investment property. That's great. Again, maybe just a, a deeper question on that. Um, we often talk about the reality running ahead of the rhetoric, if you like, and the delay factor between what we see on the ground by way of auction clearance rates and what's reported in the press or where the press is reporting the state of the housing market. I mean, what are some of the auction sort of clearance rates we've been seeing in Jealous Craig over the last sort of two to, to three months and where do you think that will play out over the spring? Uh, I think, well, our, looking at our forward bookings and the number of appraisals and appointments that our, our team are doing, um, the level of supply across spring in those traditional months is looking much, much stronger. Um, so I think the clearance rate, which in recent months has been, you know, in the mid-80s, mid-80% clearance rate, which is very strong, um, will be tempered a little bit. Um, but that's still quite a strong clearance rate off the back of what has been, you know, closer to 70 over the last 12 months. Again, offer a lower level of stock. So that improving spring market in terms of volume I think we'll keep a bit of a lid on the, the clearance rates, perhaps even, you know, pull it back down towards that 80%. But as I said, the demand is definitely coming back for the right stock and I think that will, you know, continue to improve as we get even a little bit more certainty that rates are starting to cap out um, as we get towards, you know, the back end of the year where there may even be some discussion around not only rates capping out but at what point will they, you know, might come down at some time, you know. So I think... Um, there's significant immigration numbers flowing into our country. Melbourne's no exception. Melbourne's a great example with our um, student population and, and being one of the most livable cities in the world. So that, again, will underpin some of these you know, strengths or, or these tailwinds that we're seeing come back into the market. Mm, that's sounding pretty positive. Um, one of the things I'd like to touch on now is uh, construction costs and, and you mentioned that aspect of a premium being placed on established homes that have been brought up to a modern standard or, or fully renovated and we've seen some significant disruptions uh, to the supply chain um, as a result of the COVID lockdown period, the war in Ukraine, both the scarcity of raw materials and, and a lot of inflationary pressure caught up in that as well. And that's also translated over into labour costs with competition for labour and uh, that period of, of slower population growth throughout the pandemic. Um, what have been the, the real impacts on the residential property market off the back of these construction challenges or renovation issues? And where do you think, given the, with those population increases you've talked about, the residential building market is heading over the next couple of years? Look, it's it's a, it's a good question, but it's a tricky question. If we think about um, the fact that on a large construction yeah. level, things are starting to turn back in the right direction. So construction costs in line with inflation are starting to come down. A lot of the supply chain issues that we've seen globally are starting to loosen up. Um, there's a lot more discussion at a government level, at an institutional fund level, 
at an international developer level around build to rent. So there is a lot of positive signs and discussion around what might be coming and is likely to come. Borrowing costs are stabilised, the market's finding its new level. So I think buyers of new stock um, will be more confident going into 2024. But it's a a slow-turning component of the market. So I see that improving, but I don't see it happening until well into 2024. Um, At a more local level or a more granular level, um, it's still very expensive and still very difficult to go through the process of building a new home or doing a significant um, extension. So, again, I think that'll be a slow turnaround, um, but it's having a positive effect on the market in that a lot of people that otherwise will have knocked down and, and rebuilt or done a significant extension or renovation are choosing to opt for turnkey properties or or well-appointed properties, um, which, you know, is a is a positive for the established home market. Thanks, Nick. Moving on to population growth, and this has been a, a fascinating area in Victoria over the last few years. We we went from a state with that had positive inward net migration uh, and a significant amount of overseas uh, inward migration fueled by the education sector uh, that effectively got turned off during the pandemic period with uh, closed borders locally and internationally. We've seen a dramatic turnaround uh, led from the federal government announcing some quite uh, bold new uh, immigration targets over the next sort of two or three years and Melbourne, given its uh, preponderance for education and particularly tertiary education, is likely to be a large beneficiary of that and we've even heard some demographers predict that Melbourne will be Australia's most populous city by around 2032. So given the supply constraints that we've just talked about, you know, what do you think are going to be is the net impact on the demand for housing in Melbourne over the next two to three years? Depending on where you're placed, I think it's very positive. It's not necessarily positive for, for, for renters. It's not necessarily positive for some immigrants who can't find somewhere to live. You know, the numbers you talk about are significant. Most of the discussion at the moment as we've even discussed today, centres around inflation and interest rates. But I think that population growth um, and net immigration into Melbourne and Victoria um, is, is right up there as the, the big factors that will influence our market over the coming years. Um, all of these people have to live somewhere. So it's going to have an immense impact. It already is having an immense impact on both the rental market and the sales market. A lot of the population growth, as you said, is coming from overseas, a little bit people coming back from interstate who left Victoria during the pandemic years. Um, But the vast majority is is coming into that central Melbourne and metropolitan area. And it's coming in at a time when the rental market vacancy rate is already at a record low. It's probably somewhere between 0.5 and 1%, depending on when you look at it, um, as opposed to traditionally being somewhere between 3 and 5%. Rents are going um, through the roof. So it's it's socially quite a challenging issue and, and, and quite a worrying issue. But um, and this is where it's it's incredibly important that the supply of new housing yeah, is improved. Um, some of those people that would otherwise come in as renters will be frustrated or left with no choice but to buy. So that has a positive effect on um, you know the demand for um, 
you know, the sales side of the market, which will put a further floor or strength under the prices, the very resilient prices that we've already seen. So it's it's going to create some positivity on one hand, but some greater challenges for Melbourne on the other hand, if those numbers do actually flow through. So in uh, episode two of the Inside Melbourne Property Market series, we'll do a deeper dive into the state of the rental market and the implications for both property providers and renters. I want to move now to looking forward and um, listening to you speak today, I think change has been the one constant over the last 12 months and we often talk about property cycles uh, in Australia and I've heard you talk many times that the upward cycle tends to be a long, gradual cycle and then we have these short, sharp periods of redress or reflection and I think it's been pretty clear that we've had one of those in the last 12 months with the likes of the interest rates rising and some of the cost of living pressures that we've seen. Um, we know in Australia consumer confidence is a huge driver activity and, and one of the drivers of consumer confidence is that wealth effect that people have knowing that their property is worth maybe than was worth more than when they bought it, and similar, I guess, to the to the share market. Um, we are starting to see some more social proof. Uh, you mentioned higher auction clearance rates, and the press is starting to talk about the end of the rate cycle. Perhaps we're starting to get towards the end of this reversionary cycle. Off the back of that, how are you feeling um, about the predictions for Melbourne real estate over the next six to twelve months? Quite, quite positive, Nick, but I think it'll be a, a steady recovery as opposed to a, a, a boom that we will see like we saw off the back of the lockdowns. That was, you know, a very unique um, situation, but most things are pointing in the right direction. As you say, if you go back over the last 20 or 30 years and you look at the cyclical nature of this asset class, albeit it's largely driven by emotion, you're right in saying that the upward trends, you know, call them four to six years, are a lot longer than the correction phases or the the quieter phases and they usually last 12 to 18 months, generally speaking, and and we're probably 12, somewhere between 12 to 18 months in this slower market. Um, If you go back to that period in the early 2000s before the GFC, it was quite a strong, um, certainly in terms of increasing prices, it was a strong period for the, the residential market in Melbourne. Um, we had the GFC, but that downturn in the resi market probably only lasted 12 months. Um, we then had another good patch through to about 2012 where the market tightened up for a couple of years. Um, we had a really good run up until about 16, 17. I think there was a bit of a credit squeeze. There may have been a change of government. Um, we had another good run, the Royal Commission. So when you look through it gives you some something to lean on. It doesn't give you a crystal ball. But we had, albeit some weird years with the pandemic, we've had a good run until 12 or 18 months ago. And I think the market's had a rest. The economic landscape has changed a lot. The market's now finding its new level. So that's the background. Looking forward, I think with inflation now finally being tamed, it's still too high. It needs to come down more. But I think but generally speaking, every interest rate increase takes six to nine months to follow through. Um, we have a lot of people on fixed rates. Um, they're all rolling off at the moment and that's quite a sizable proportion. There are a lot of people doing it tough with the increased cost of living, which won't change quickly. So we need to just keep our expectations in line. But if inflation continues to come down, 
and we're at or near the the, the, the top of the interest rate cycle. Um, geopolitical tensions on an international level are feeling a little bit better. The war in Ukraine is still going on, unfortunately. Um, sentiments picking up, employment's holding up. Um, then I think we can look positively into spring and summer and certainly into 2024. But there will still be pressure on the rental market. It still will take time for the the new stock, the off the plan, um, the larger scale development, the social housing. I think that will come through over the next couple of years. But I I think we're pretty well set up for, um, you know, that next cycle, which may last, you know, four to six years as it usually does. It's a great summary, Nick, and, uh, you know, what we do know in Melbourne, you know, it continues to be a city where people desire to live. Uh, We maintain one of the highest standards of living uh, in in the world Uh, and that scarcity of land uh, and I guess the associated cost of land is not going to go away. And we've talked about uh, the the population increase coming off the back of uh, increased immigration, the return of overseas students, uh, and I guess what we're seeing from a demographic point of view, the rise of the, the knowledge economy. So all of that's leading to a sustained push and demand for property. And hopefully as the construction cycle picks up, as some of those economic mm. factors and those change factors get digested, the outlook's looking pretty positive. Couldn't agree more, Nick. I mean, I, as a very uh, proud and biased Melbourneian, I agree with that summary wholeheartedly. It's... Um, we slipped a couple of spots on the on the international livability index, but that's because we had a pretty tough time um, during the pandemic. But we're we're now back in the in the top ten. Um, you know, we're still the cultural and sporting capital of Australia. Um, we have a huge student population, um, as you said, and, and and certainly we can see at the coalface that um, people are starting to feel feel better, and and I think that'll translate through to a lot of confidence in the property market through spring. And that concludes our first episode of Inside Melbourne's Property Market. Stay tuned for our upcoming episodes where we'll continue to explore the dynamic world of Melbourne real estate. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, feel free to reach out to us at www.jealouscraig.com.au. You can also read more about this topic in the report, which you can access via our website. You can download a full transcript of this conversation in the show notes. Otherwise, thank you for joining us today and until next time, take care and keep exploring the exciting landscape of Melbourne's property market.